you have an electronic device with your Bible on it, which I do, hold it up, and then we repeat a little thing, and it goes like this. I'm a child of God. Have in my hand the powerful Word of God. Can change lives, heal broken hearts, save man's soul. And here's our prayer. Lord Jesus, today, speak to me. In Jesus' name, amen. Now turn to your neighbor and just say, you look marvelous. Okay, Elizabeth. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday, dear Elizabeth. Happy birthday. Somebody gave her some inflatable balloons, and she said, do I have to take these back up there? So they're in my office. But How many's left? Tomorrow is Ian's birthday. All right. Well, he's out of here, but let's, let's wish little Ian happy birthday if you see him a little later. Okay. Very good. We are in a series called Unstuck. I really enjoy this series. I am. It's a great lesson for us. 30 years ago, I was stuck in my faith. I had, I had a faith, but I was kind of stuck in it. Youth pastors, are get, they get pretty cocky. And I was one of those young youth pastors that got real cocky. I just figured God was blessed to have a guy like me in his service. You know, not only could I teach a powerful lesson and speak and yell and scream and all that, but I could sing as well. And so because I could do both, very few could. I could do both and do very, both very well. I was in demand. I was in demand. So you can see I was stuck in my faith. I took a group of teenagers, 20-plus teenagers and sponsors, uh, over to Tahlequah to the Illinois River to float down the river. Any of you done that? It's a lot of fun, isn't it? Not so much fun with 20-plus kids, teenagers, but it's a lot of fun. And this particular trip, the day, a few days before or the week before, they'd had a lot of rain in Arkansas, and what I found out is that that makes that river swell. So we called and inquired, and the uh, guides told us, I guess greed set in. They said, oh, no, no, come on, come on. said, the river will be a little high, it'll be swift, but man, it'll be a lot of fun. It'll be fine, it'll be fine. So off we go, and two by two in the canoes, right? And I bring up the rear, and I have in front of me two girls. One of them's larger than the other girl. And the larger girl wanted to be in the back of the canoe because... She knew how to steer the canoe. And she wanted the, the littler girl in the front to do the paddling. Well, it was swift enough. They didn't have to do a lot of paddling, but a whole lot of steering. 
And we got to an S in the river. Normally there's not a tree sticking out of the river at the, at the end of that S curve, but there was that day. And as we rounded that curve, moving pretty quickly, and this girl that told me, being a Girl Scout, she knew how to handle a canoe. Well, it broadsided that tree and split in half. And it disappeared, and they disappeared. At that point, my whole career as a youth minister flashed in front of me, <laughs> among other things. And I instantly thought, I'm going to have to go home today and tell two sets of parents that your daughters are on the bottom of the Illinois River. And I no, longer, I no more said that. And when I said, God, would you help me? Help us. Two heads popped up out of the water. I was never more grateful for life jackets than that moment. They came up, looked like a couple of wet dogs, you know. They were scared. Their eyes were big. One of them's lost their glasses. But they were alive. That day, my faith got unstuck. I could tell you more stories. I, you know, I, wouldn't, I, I, I don't want to go into detail about 23 years ago when I found myself stuck again in my faith. A year and a half it took God and I battling back and forth for that faith to get unstuck. All I want to know is, you been there? been there sometimes in my life I have felt stuck how many of you would say that sometime in your life you've been stuck okay good good quite a few hands the rest of you are probably liars so <laughs> I can assure you one thing before your life is done you're gonna get stuck because life is sticky isn't it there's times when things happen that we absolutely feel stuck about. Maybe this is the first time you've been in church in a long, long time. I'm glad you're here. Glad you're here. God may be ready to help you get unstuck in that area of your life. You never know what today will bring. But here's one thing I know. God loves to help us get unstuck. He just loves it. In fact, that's really the story of Easter. Easter says the same power that raised Christ from the dead is the same power that's available to you and me today. What they tried back 2,000 years ago, they tried to stick Jesus in a tomb. They rolled a big rock in front of it said, aha, now we have him. Three days later, we know what happened. He got unstuck. <laughs> he got unstuck. And then you and I also have that power. When we feel stuck, Jesus can help us get unstuck. The Bible is full of stories about people who got unstuck. Not the least of which are those apostles that hung around him a lot. Can you remember those guys? 2,000 years ago, he handpicked these 12 guys to walk around with him. 
These were a group of men. They were committed. They committed themselves to follow Jesus. But it's Friday, and their Lord and Savior Jesus is dead on a cross. It's Friday, and they all felt stuck. Especially one named Peter. You know Peter. He's one of my favorites. Seemed like I identified with Peter more than the others. He was always speaking before thinking. Any of you afflicted with that? He was also a fisherman. Before he became a follower of Jesus, he had made a brash decision to leave those nets and to follow Jesus. In John 13, Jesus said, uh, one of you is going to deny me. And of course, Peter jumps up and he says, well, not me. Maybe some of these other losers, but I'm not going to deny you. No, sir. I'll never deny you. And at that moment, you can recall Jesus gives Peter his nickname. He, he nicknames him the rock. Not because Peter was the rock, but because of the statement of who he said Jesus was, was the rock that he could build his church on. That you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. Amen? That's the, that's the rock. So Peter finds himself the night of Jesus' arrest denying the Lord three times. Peter, who said, I will never deny you, now turns to sand and denies Jesus three times. And then we don't really know where he is when Jesus dies on the cross because he's deserted Jesus. He's somewhere hiding. And here it is Saturday night, just after the death of Jesus on Friday, and Peter's having what you and I might call a dark night of the soul. Can you put yourself in Peter's position? He felt stuck. The one that he left everything to follow just died on the cross the day before. So Peter gets up on Sunday morning and I know now, what we know now is Easter Sunday. But he didn't know that yet. Peter got up on Sunday morning and went back to his old ways. He decided to take responsibility for his life. And so Peter went fishing. And we pick up the story in John 21. Well, in, in a few minutes we will. We're going to look, we're going to pull out three things we learned from Peter's life about getting unstuck in verses 1 through 19. So go there and hang on to it because it's Saturday night. Peter's asking himself, how could this happen to me? Why has God forsaken me? Is there any hope? Have you ever asked those questions yourself? Have you ever come to that point in your life where you feel stuck? You know that, that rock who turned to sand is, once, is about once again to become a rock. Such is the power of the resurrection. You see, the power of the resurrection says that Christ was raised from the dead so you and I could get unstuck. <laughs> we could get unstuck. So let's talk about this a little bit in Romans 6 4 it's there on in your uh, outline let's read it together right there on the front of your bulletin I believe and just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glorious power of the father 
now we also may live new lives. Let's do that again. And just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glorious power of the Father, now we also may live new lives. Much better job second time through. You caught up with me, didn't you? Awesome. Three lessons we want to learn from the life of Peter. Number one, I have to admit that I'm stuck. You've got to admit it. You've got to admit that you're stuck. Now, you might say, ah, preacher, that's awfully simple. True. But if you don't admit it, nothing changes. And one of the elements that makes that admission work is the spirit and attitude of humility. Humility is a powerful tool. God honors and is attracted to people of humility. He loves to work sometimes with lives who are humble. There's an old saying that says, if you find yourself in a hole, the first rule is to stop digging. <laughs> stop digging that hole deeper. If you find yourself stuck, the first rule is to admit that you're stuck. If you don't admit it, if you don't say I'm stuck, it's hard to turn a corner, isn't it? I see a lot of people in denial, don't you? But humility will help us say it. Especially as it seem, seem harder for men. Men have a hard time being humble. They have a hard time going to their spouse, spouse and saying, you know, honey, I'm stuck. They have a hard time telling their friends that they're stuck. Let alone trying to tell God that you're stuck. Whoa, I got to tell God I'm stuck? Here we are at that place where we have to say to God, I'm stuck. And it's hard to say. Hard to say. It's kind of like the drunk that came out of the bar in Bourbon Street in New Orleans. Bob Harrington is the chaplain of Bourbon Street for years and happened to be walking down the street at the same time. And when the fellow staggered out and fell on the sidewalk, Bob stopped to help him up and he recognized it was chaplain of Bourbon Street. And so the old drunk says, oh, Bob, pray for me. So Bob said, well, I can't do much else for you. So he kneels down and he grabs him by the hand. He says, Lord, help this drunk. Oh, Bob, don't tell him I'm drunk. Yeah. It's hard for us to admit sometimes that we need God. God, I'm stuck. God, I'm stuck. Peter finds himself in that position. Stuck after the Lord's crucifixion. Didn't want to admit it. Didn't want to go to God and say, God, I'm stuck. So Peter did what every red-blooded male does. He goes fishing. <laughs> Something about fishing and men, they go hand in hand, don't they? You can go out there and catch nothing, but boy, you've been fishing. The only thing I ever catch fishing is a sunburn. But it's natural. Peter had been a fisherman. So it was natural for him to go back and be a fisherman before he, he, he was following Jesus. That's what he did. Let's pick up John 21. We're looking at verses 1 through 3. Later, Jesus appeared again to the disciples. Now, hold your finger right there. They didn't know it was Jesus. They didn't know it. They didn't recognize him yet. You see, they'd been out fishing all night. They didn't know the resurrection had actually happened. 
And I'll speak it back up. Beside the Sea of Galilee, this is how it happened, says the story. Several of the disciples were there. Simon Peter, Thomas, the others were there. They aren't named in the story, but Simon Peter said, I'm going fishing, but we'll come to you, they said. They must have been stuck also. So they went out in the boat, but they caught what? What does your Bible say? Caught nothing. Caught nothing. All night. Fishermen. Stuck. Fish all night. Catch nothing. Nothing at all. All too full of pride to admit that he was stuck. You ever been there? You ever been so full of yourself that you can't admit that you're stuck? Ever had your fishing pole in the back of your truck and Sinatra song, I'll have it my way. <laughs> and you're cruising down the road because you're doing it your way. Ever stayed up all night thinking that you would get yourself unstuck? And you find out you're all alone? <laughs> Only to find out the next morning, just like Peter, that you'd caught nothing all night long. Dark night of the soul is what it's called. Ignoring the brutal fact that you're stuck instead of humbling yourself to admit that you need God to get unstuck. But there is an alternative. There is a better way to live. And that's found in James 4 and verse 10. I think the verse is in your bulletin outline there. It says, when you bow down. Now that's an important piece. That's, listed, that's labeled as humility. When you bow down before the Lord and then admit your dependence on Him. Would you underline that? Admit your dependence on Him. Then he gives you a promise of what he will do. He will lift you up and give you honor. Ever wondered why God will allow us to get stuck in the first place? I mean, why isn't every day Easter? Why do we have to go through crucifixion Fridays and dark Saturdays? I mean, could it be that God allows crucifixion Fridays in our lives so that once again we reaffirm our dependence on him? Maybe it's the only way that some of us will ever humble ourselves so that we can hear from God and get back into the plan that God has for us. I mean, after all, would we really be able to celebrate the glory of the Easter today if it hadn't been for the crucifixion that happened last Friday? So the first step in getting unstuck is not going fishing, but it's to admit that you're stuck. Secondly, be open to God's voice. Be open to God's voice. A lot of people, when they get stuck, they naturally close themselves off. But we have to be open to God's voice. And there's a couple of keys here. You want to be open, and then you want to be open to the right voice. I'm amazed at how easy it is for those that are stuck to listen to the wrong voice. They listen to the wrong voice. If Crucifixion Friday reminds us of anything, it reminds us of how powerful our sinful nature is. Our sinful nature is what put Jesus on the cross. Our sinful nature. And we all have one. And it hangs inside of us and pulls us away from God. Time and time again. Causes us to run away from God. Closing our ears to God. That's a sinful life. But there is a spiritual side of us, especially when you become a Christian, you have the Holy Spirit living inside you and that spiritual side pulls you toward God. But you know what happens. So many times when people get stuck, 
They run from God. And they do the very worst thing they could do. They abandon the church. They abandon Christian friends. They stop reading God's word. They turn to all kinds of dangerous places for advice. But can you think of anything more damaging when you're stuck than to turn away from God? I honestly don't know how people survive with life when life happens and they don't have a relationship with God. I just don't get it. Remember, I've told you for years about my older brother who would say, well, when you die, you're buried, and that's it. I baptized him into Christ last December. Somebody had been planting seeds in his life. Somebody had been watering that seed in his life. He didn't want to hear from me, but he heard from somebody else. But hallelujah, I got to be a small part of that change in his life. And it's changed. You can tell by the sound of his voice. Absolutely amazing. So you abandon church, you abandon those Christian friends. I mean, look at look what Peter did. His first reaction was to go back to the way he used to live. He used to be a fisherman. I'm stuck, he says. I don't know what else to do. So he turns his face from God. He goes fishing. And something great happens. Look at John 21, verse 4. At dawn, the disciples saw Jesus standing on the beach. Now, you've got to hold your finger there because they really didn't recognize him of who he was. They just saw this guy up on the beach. Remember, they've been fishing all night long. Jesus calls out, friend, have you caught any fish? And they, were, they said, what your Bible say they said? No. Fishermen are never too proud to admit that they don't catch anything. <laughs> no. Then he said, Jesus from the shore says, throw out your nets on the right side of the boat and you'll get plenty of fish. Now, <laughs> between the end of that sentence and the next sentence, it doesn't say it in your Bible, but I'll guarantee you there's conversation going on in the boat. These are fishermen. They've been fishing all night long. And this clown on the beach says, throw your nets on the right side of the boat. Yeah, sure. Sure we will, pal. We fished on the left. We fished on the right. We fished behind. We fished forward. We fished everywhere to fish. And you want us to throw it on the right side of the boat. They look at each other and say, all right, who's going to kill him first? I mean, really. Can you imagine this conversation? I can't. I can see the conversation going on. But they throw the nets on the right side of the boat, gritting their teeth as they do it, don't they? Okay, you want it on the right side of the boat, pal? Well, throw it on the right side of the boat, and we'll do it now! Get the net. They throw the net in on the right side of the boat. Oh, let's keep reading. They couldn't draw in the net because there was... What's your Bible say? So many fish in it. Now can you see their face? From this to... I mean, I don't know how many. But you know. You know they're going, what happened? How did that guy know that these nets would fill up? They went from hopeless to hopeful. For the first time in days, the rock, Peter, is given hope because he realizes maybe I'm not stuck for good. Maybe the situation isn't going to last forever. There was hope on the horizon because there were fish in the nets. 
He could have ignored the voice from the shore. Would have really been easy to do. Proverbs 14 says, There's a path before each person that seems right, but it ends in death. Choose wisely. But when you start listening to God's voice, the voice from the shore, and you open yourself up to say, Okay, God, I'm going to humble myself. I'm stuck. I need to hear from you. Look what God says in Isaiah 55 and verse 8. My thoughts are completely different from yours, says the Lord. I mean, Peter was fishing all night on the wrong side of the boat. God had other thoughts because he goes on in Isaiah 55. He says, and my ways are far beyond anything you could imagine. Listen, what is God trying to say to you today? What is God trying to say to you? Is there a voice that you need to hear from the shore? Are you listening to the voice of God today? Maybe some of you, he's saying, I brought you here today because you need to trust me for the very first time. Maybe he's saying to some of you, you know what? You were once on the right path, but you've gotten off track over the last few years or, or last months. Today your day is your day to surrender and get back on track. Maybe God's saying to you, you know, you know that little crazy church you're at today? He said, I think you need to hang out there a little bit longer and see what they're all about. This series will help us get there. I hope that you will make a commitment to come and be a part of it. Admit that you're stuck. Be open to the voice of God. And then number three, commit to God's plan. See, if we admit and we listen... Then we have to commit. Then we have to commit. My son Mark got officially engaged a week or so ago. And so they posted pictures on Facebook and I was watching them. I mean, this girl took like every time they made a move, she had a picture of it, you know. So I see him on his knee and then I see him with the, with the box open and the box had a light in it. And it lit up so the, the, the little diamond on the ring would shine, you know. And then all of a sudden I see her hands go like this and it's just fun to watch the sequence of pictures. And then they're standing up, and then they're embracing, and then they're kissing, and I turned it off. I said, I don't need that. Shut it out. What's wrong with you? But he took action, didn't he? He made a commitment. Could we say, God, I'm stuck? That's really not enough. God, I hear you. That's not enough either, because you've got to actually put, it, put legs to that prayer. And it shows up right here in John 21 verse 7. Then the disciples whom Jesus loved, that is John, said to Peter, it is the Lord. I love Peter. Because when Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord, he put on his tunic for he had stripped for work. Now hold your finger there just a minute. So he's out there in the boat and they're fishing all night and he doesn't have a whole lot of clothes on. Mm-mm-mm-mm-mm. Well, thank God before he swam to shore to see Jesus, he at least put some clothes on. Amen. So good thing, if you're coming to church on Sunday, put some clothes on. Good thing. I'm just telling you, it's a good thing. But he jumps in the water and he swims to shore. Everybody else stayed in the boat. Peter said, not me, man. If that's the Lord, I'm going to see him right now. It goes on to say the others stayed in the boat. And when they got there, they, they finally get to the shore. They saw that a charcoal fire was burning and fish were frying over it. <laughs> Next time you eat fish, don't forget this story. Jesus was cooking smoked fish for the disciples on Easter Sunday. Jesus says to him, Come and have some breakfast. I love it. 
Peter makes a commitment. Peter doesn't do anything half-hearted. He jumps almost naked into, from the boat, swims to shore. The Lord who was crucified is now resurrected. The one who he, he thought had deserted him uh, was now on shore cooking breakfast for him. Uh, from famine with the fish all night to feasting with the Savior on the shore. Wow, what a change. He went from being stuck to unstuck, from empty nets to full stomachs, from helpless to hopeful, from being separated from God, saved in the boat to having breakfast with God, sitting on the shore. That's the process of getting unstuck. That's the power of the resurrection. Jeremiah 29, 11. For I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. They are plans for good, not for getting stuck. I, I, I put that in. Not for disaster to give you a future and a hope. God doesn't want us to be stuck. He wants us to be unstuck. He wants us to be living in a way that's victorious. He wants us to live in a way full of joy. Peace that passes understanding. Unstuck is simply moving forward in my life. That's the definition in your, in your outline. There's, there's, you've got to finish it, though. Unstuck is simply moving forward in my life because I'm willing to give God complete control. Write that down. It's really important. Unstuck is simply moving forward in my life because I'm willing to give God complete control. Now, I want to show you how this works. I want you to draw this diagram toward the bottom of that uh, page three there in your bulletin. The center oval represents us. Okay? Represents us. And the problem we have with that center oval is that we are on the throne. And when we're on the throne, God can't do much because we're in the way. But once we get out of the way and we put Jesus on the throne... Things can change. Because once Jesus is on the throne of our life, He wants us to develop four disciplines. The first one is, He wants us to spend time in the Word. Now, I'm not saying just showing up at church at Sunday school and catching a little bit of it here and there. I'm talking about every day getting in the Word of God. If you have a, a, a smartphone, download the U version, Y O U V E R S I O N dot com. It's free, it doesn't cost you a dime. It's even an audio Bible, it'll read it back to you. Stick them headphones on and just listen to the Word of God. But encounter the Word. The second discipline he wants us to develop is the discipline of prayer. Now I'm talking about more than praying for food at the table. I'm talking about honest prayer. We just spent 36 hours of prayer in our vigil here at church and everybody participates in that every year tells me how great it is they said you know i thought 30 minutes would take a long time and i ran out of time that's what happens when you go into the presence of god all of a sudden time stands still it's amazing but look these are vertical aren't they we develop the word and we develop prayer and that keeps jesus on the throne now to keep him there and to help him stay there we develop two other disciplines. The first one is we need to fellowship with believers. We need to hang out with church people. We need to come to church and be there. And that's really important. How many of you today, by a show of hands, came because somebody invited you to come? Just throw your hand up real quick. Awesome. Awesome. Isn't that great? How many of you came just because Jesus said you ought to be in church? Okay. 
How many of you came just because you heard you had a dynamic preacher that sings really good? I'll, I'll pay all of you guys later. I appreciate that so much. Fellowshipping with believers. It's really important. And then the last one is we've got a message that we ought to be taking to people, shouldn't we? We've got the best message of all, and we ought to be sharing it with folks. Amen? So if you're stuck, one of the best ways to get unstuck is to let God have complete control of our life. And you say, why does God allow me to get stuck in the first place? He allows us to get stuck because He wants you to know that there's an area of your life that he doesn't have control of. And the sooner we admit it, the sooner we listen to him, and the sooner we commit to changing it, whoo, what a change can come. Maybe you're here today and you would say, God, I need you to have more control of my life. Maybe you're here today and you would say, you know, God, I really have run from you longer than I should. In Romans 12, 1 and 2, So dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you to give your bodies the seat of control, the throne of your life to God. Let them be a living and holy sacrifice, the kind he will accept. And when you think of what he has done for you, is it too much to ask? Don't copy the behavior and customs of this world. Don't go on your own way. Don't lean into, your, into that sinful nature, but let God transform you. Then you will know what God wants you to do, and you will you will know how good and pleasing and perfect his will really is. I believe with all of my heart that you can commit to God today and you can know God's will for your life today. As you bow your heads and close your eyes, perhaps you're here today and you would pray this prayer. Heavenly Father, thank you for the power of the resurrection. Thank you from, for this great story from your word of how Peter went from stuck to unstuck. And God, I feel like Him in so many ways and so many times, going my own way, going fishing, leaving you when I should be listening to you and obeying you. So today, I want to lean into you. I want to move towards you. Perhaps you're here today, but you know you need to recommit your life to God. You need a prayer of surrender. Maybe you would pray this prayer. God, I know you are in my life, and I thank you that you have never forsaken me, but you have always loved me. Forgive me for not allowing you to be on the throne of my life, to put you first place in my life. Today I step aside and I invite you to lead my life, to be my Lord as I follow you. And I pray this prayer of surrender today. And then there may be some of you here that are ready to open that door of your life to become a Christian. And here's a prayer for you. Dear God, thank you for your love for me. Thank you for sending Jesus Christ to die on the cross for me. Today I acknowledge that Jesus died of my sins. I ask for his forgiveness and become, and because of his resurrection, I say, Jesus, come into my life and give me new life. Forgive me today for the future. Give me that home in heaven that you promised. Jesus, I believe in you today. I, I, I pray this prayer of salvation, and I pray it in Jesus' name. Amen.